Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast where we explore the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about a subject we covered a little earlier in our run, escape rooms, and we're going to be getting a bit of a deeper dive into the subject. And here with me to do that is Nick T. Uh, I don't have much to say about directional locks, but if I ever make one, the combination is obviously up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. And an extra (laughs) A and B, right? And stuff. Yeah, if if you can find a directional lock that has those, uh, apparently I should start an escape room with that. A special guest joining us today, Canadian escape room fanatic, Errol of the Room Escape Divas. Thank you for joining us, Errol. Woohoo! Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, so as as G had mentioned, uh, you know we use we don't throw the term f- fanatical around lightly, and I think you're the first person <laughs> we've ever had on the show who not only is you know, someone who espouses that they're a huge fan of something, but that is also backed up by research and by a long list of escape room attempts and what I presume are successes. Errol, could you tell us a little bit about your first escape room and kind of what got you into the whole escape room scene? Oh, wow. I think my first escape room was in 2014, not long ago. Well, depending on how you think what is long ago, but the industry itself is rather young. And I remember reading about it in a magazine about escape rooms. And I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting because I loved, I loved adventure games and I like games in general. And I thought, ooh, and a room based on like adventure games sounds really cool. But at the same time, I'm thinking, ah, I don't know if I'd go to it because it sounds expensive. And do I want to spend, I already have a lot of very expensive hobbies. So do I really want to invest in yet another expensive hobby? And then I think I went with a friend. A friend was of mine said, hey, we should go. And I thought, oh, okay, sure, we'll go. And then I went, and I loved it. It wasn't even a great room, and I loved it. And we did another one. And then we started doing one every, one or two every week because Toronto was great for the number of escape rooms at the time. In 2014, the number of escape rooms exploded, so all these companies kept popping up. And so we were able to satiate our lustful desires for puzzle solving, as most of the listeners have out there, I'm pretty sure. And we just kept going to escape rooms all the time. We talk about fandoms that are curative, where you're mostly like describing things and categorizing it. And we talk about transformative fandoms, where you're making things. Escape rooms are different in the sense that they're incredibly involved. If you want to be an escape room fan, you kind of have to participate. And that means, based on the 2018 uh, Codex, uh, the Escape Room Enthusiast Survey, looks like at least an hour per room. Yes, it is. They range between 45 minutes to an hour per room. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, we always dream of having longer ones. Now, for an enthusiast, they usually will finish a room between thirty to forty-five minutes. And now, to to make to be clear, it's not because I'm we're super smart at anything. I, I don't want anybody to get the idea like, oh, we're enthusiasts and we're the best and like we're so smart. It's more along the lines that we've just done so many of them that there is there is very little actually that surprises us when it comes to puzzles. And furthermore, when you're brand new in an escape room, you have two things to learn. You have to learn, one, how to be a team, and then two, how to solve the room. Whereas once you have a team, then you don't have to worry about the first one anymore. You don't have to worry about how to be a team. And then you can just go ahead and just destroy the room it's like you know the avengers at the very beginning they just sucked at everything right but now now they can do everything except 
they, and when they go up against Thanos and stuff like that, whatever. I feel like there was a moment that, that, that we had as a group, um, because as you, as you say, you get in there with your team, you divide and conquer and your room's done. And I think it's that matter of, you know, even though you're paying, you know, whatever amount of money for the, the experience every time <laughs> you are, you are not going, you personally are not going to experience 100% of the room, right? You're all just working to get it done. And when you do that, you can do it really quickly. Whereas we've had people say like, man, you guys really split up and conquered that. A lot of people just like all go from clue to clue. And I was like, really? Yes. I think for a lot of new people, they tend to do things linear. Whereas after a while, you, you, you get the, you know that you have to split up. If the room is made so that people can split up and do it in parallel, then we will notice that and then we will do things in parallel. And it's especially since we know that different team members like different things. So if there is, oh, I don't know, a logic puzzle, it's like, oh, I don't want to do a logic puzzle. Somebody else, come do this logic puzzle. And then it's great. Then I, I don't have to do it. M- myself, we all take different roles when we do an escape room. And my role is is to embody everybody else's weaknesses. I can't search. <laughs> I can barely see because I'm old. But I also like to do an overview of the room. So I'll take a look at the room and I'll look at all the puzzles. And I almost become like a delivery boy. It's like, oh, I found a puzzle piece. This puzzle piece goes with that person over there. So I'll just go and just drop it off and not even tell them. I'll just put it on the table and suddenly I'll go, oh, look, a puzzle piece is found. You know, different things like that. So I think that's, I usually see myself as the overseer and I try to get a hold and get a sense of all the puzzles within the room. And that's usually helpful for the end when there's the meta puzzle, usually when a bunch of puzzles come together and each answer is to give the final answer, then then it's helpful for that. Otherwise, I'm useless in a room. I like to take <laughs> off my shoes and wave at the camera and play. <laughs> Actually, that that is one thing that we do, though. We don't try to rush through the room because now that we don't have very many rooms to do, we don't want to like rush through it. We want to enjoy it. So unless unless we see another friend has a record on the leaderboard. <laughs> it's like, oh no, there's no way those guys are going to beat us. Then, but for the most part, we saunter. You were talking about teams, and you know, once you've got this group of folks that you're really familiar with, you can just you're not worried about you know learning how to become a team. You're just focusing on the the puzzles. One thing that I remember sticking out because we did a previous episode on this, and I was digging through the data that was there, and one thing that surprised me was how many of the people going to escape rooms, they don't identify so much as introverts. Most of them identify as extroverts or ambiverts. Uh, And also that communication isn't necessarily the top skill that people are looking for in the rooms. Uh, What, what's your experience been like with people going to the rooms? Cause I think for the most part for our group, uh, with the exception of like Chloe, maybe <laughs> um, we're mostly pretty introverted. The only time I've ever seen introvert, an extrovert, and introvert come into play is if there's an actor in the room and you have to interact with the actor. And I think an extrovert has more of an impetus. Maybe they might decide, "Oh, I'm going to go and talk to this actor," and the introverts are going, "Yeah, you go ahead and do that. I don't want to <laughs> deal with that jerk." You know. So, I mean, not that all introverts are shy. So I'm not. I don't want to get. The, I'm not trying to say the introverts are shy, but you know, you may prefer not to talk to somebody and that's fine too. I think w- most of my events, so I have done a lot of escape events, large scale escape events, 
and they've all had actors. And there have been a number of people who commented that, you know, this is not your fault, but we just didn't like talking to people and we had to interact with your actors. And that's hard if you don't want to. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so, but. But I'm still gonna keep putting them in because I wanted to have <laughs> I, I wanted to have NPCs in my game, you know, and they could tell you things like whatever. It's like go over to Tristan and find my bucket. I don't know. They have they <laughs> they have weird quests and different things like that. But I did want to have NPCs because I have played a game where they had all these people. It was a large scale event, and there were all these volunteers in the game but they were only hint givers but they were all dressed to the nines like they were part of the game and i thought to myself why can't i interact with them that's no fun i think the only one i've ever done with actors was uh, we had one up at the pioneer village or at uh, the fanshawe ah. village yeah and i thought i would hate it because i as like exactly how you described man i don't want to go over there and talk to somebody who's pretending to be a this different person in the escape room, but like it actually, yeah, they were just NPCs and they just kind of would sort of repeat the same things over until you figured it out. But it was, uh, it was, I ended up enjoying it. And, and they're also scripted to either be helpful or maybe not helpful, but they're not, you know, scripted to reject you as soon as they see you. So <laughs> it's, it's okay to interact with NPCs. They might not say anything useful. Now, to be fair, we did. Oh, this is great. In one of my events, I, I do it with the, I create them with the same people. And one of my co-creators, her name is Amanda Whitney. And we, we've done a number of these large scale events. And in the first one, and it was called Night at the Speakeasy she was a drunken lush that would flirt with all the men at the bar. And it was great. So that's what she would do. She was just flirting with, well, not even men. She was just flirting with everybody. And you had to get information from her. <laughs> the second game, it was like, oh, I don't know, 30 years later. Because this was the first was in the 1920s. And now the second game was present. And I guess that's a lot longer than 30 years. Don't ask me to do math in escape room, <laughs> as you can tell. But regardless, she was a bitter woman at the bar this time. And so people that remembered her from the previous game would come up to her and then she would just lambaste them. <laughs> and it was, I remember one poor guy said to her, you, you weren't like this in the last game. <laughs> it was sorry. We, we found it funny, but we did feel sorry for the guy because he was just hoping to have a wonderful conversation at the bar again, but didn't get it. Anyway, yeah, but for the most part, they're helpful, except maybe that one time. Don't talk to Amanda when she's at the bar drunk and angry. I, I think it's, it's different when it's like, if you talk to the NPCs, they'll give you hints, versus like, use your interpersonal skills to get a hint. I think that's like the next level, right? So it's interesting because some escape rooms do that. They they take into account social engineering of some sort where you have to like, I mean, it's still scripted, but you might have to like woo them in some way. Well, not like romantically woo mm -hmm. them, but you know, you have to try to talk to them and be charismatic. And if you roll one on charisma all the time, then I guess <laughs> it's going to be problematic. Actually, but it's funny, though. I usually find that some actors in a room, when they see, oh, look, you're rising to the occasion, then they're going to make it hard for you. And it's like, why are you making it hard for us? <laughs> Just because they're rising to the occasion. Otherwise, if you came up there and you didn't know what to say and all that came out of your mouth, was, then they kind of like spoon feed everything to you so that you can advance in the game. So it's probably better 
having an inability to talk to actors because then they will help you along. Whereas if you show any amount of interest and, you know, wanting to play along, then they'll just make things really hard for you because they, I think they enjoy the challenge, right? It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're a GM in a D and D game and all of a sudden you see all the guys getting into it. It's like, okay, I'm going to make it a challenge for you. <laughs> but in an escape room, you might not want that. Or maybe you do. It all depends. How, how important is like, in our group, winning is, I would say, like 75% important. But uh, that's not the same for everybody. What's it, what is it like in the groups that you play with? Well, t- to be honest, if we don't win a room, then there's something wrong with the room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sorry, I'm not. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> I'm the most, you know, <laughs> arrogant fool on the planet. But. It's because escape rooms, and, and I've made all these events before, so I understand that I have to make them for the mainstream. I have to make a room, so not for the enthusiast, but so that the general public can come in and and can conceptually solve the thing on their own. Now, they may not, but that is that is my goal, is to make sure that they have a sporting chance at actually winning the game. Enthusiasts, so when I usually make a game, I, I usually assume that an enthusiast will solve it in 45 minutes. And then regular newbies might be able to solve it in 60 minutes. And then people who do not know anything might never solve it, but I can't help those guys at all. So I try to make sure that at least to make the game fair, that an enthusiast group, an enthusiast team should be able to solve it in 45 minutes. Or less if they're really good, if they're really trying. And usually that, that works out. So out of the events I've done, I've only done like three large scale events, but I usually find that all the enthusiast groups will finish in about 45 minutes. And I count on the people to solve it at different times. So for us, when we, when we do a room, if a room takes us 60 minutes to, then we worry about it and we'll tell the escape room owner that I think your room is too hard because and then, you know, you don't want your players to just languish in the room and despair about not knowing anything. So you want to at least give them a, you know, throw them a bone a couple of times and make it easy for them. You know, they don't always have to solve the room, but at least at least give them a sporting chance. So we can and, and you'll I'm when it comes to puzzles and I'm probably known in the enthusiast world. It's a small world, but they probably know me as a, I'm a stickler for puzzle design. And I'm just like, that's, we call our podcast the Roomscape Divas mainly because we're just entitled people and we always <laughs> just go, oh, that's your little scape, is it? Anyway, but that's how, but, but I'm like that with puzzles. And so if, if an owner knows me, then they get, they get, they get nervous because they know I'm just going to sit there and judge all their puzzles. And it's like, this is horrible. Yeah, but I can't help myself. I don't know what's wrong with me. Sometimes I'll go into a room and then all of a sudden I'll just see all the mistakes in the puzzle and then and I'll think, okay, I should be nice and not say anything. And then boom, it just comes out. And it's that's probably the nerd in me, right? The way I just can't, I can't help myself. And then it just comes all the, cause when it comes to puzzle design, it's been around for years. Adventure games have been written about since like 1980. And then when it came with, interactive fiction or text games you know there was a whole slew of nerds that was analyzing puzzles and adventure games to the nth degree there are essays written puzzle design isn't old and in the puzzle hunt community people have been writing essays on how to design perfect puzzles and the elegance of them so 
So owners coming into the escape room world, which is really is still really new, are all thinking that they have to start from scratch when they designed puzzles and they don't know that there is a structure. They don't know there is a way to make it fair and you can make it enjoyable. So that's probably one of the reasons why I get upset because I'll go into a room and it's like, ah, what are you doing here? This is not fun for anybody. Anyway, that's. That's me ranting again. I also, and so, and because there wasn't, there wasn't anything out there for escape room puzzle design. There wasn't a lot of things. So there's a lot of things out there when it comes to game design. There's a lot of things when it comes to puzzle design, when it comes to adventure game design, tons of stuff, right? You can have extra credits. They talk about all sorts of stuff on the YouTubes, right? All sorts of things when it comes to game design. But escape room owners, they're not nerds not really they're they think it's cool because escape room is something that actually penetrates into the mainstream not that nerdy things don't but you will find that you know my mom might know what escape room is she won't do it but she she at least might have an idea well actually it's because of me but but you know what i mean this probably has more <laughs> of a mainstream uh, uh focus it's because it's the big thing right now and so they'll come in and they'll start making all these games, not realizing there's a ton of theory and there's a ton of research done on how to make a good game. And they're thinking they're flying blind. So I usually make it my mission, because <laughs> I'm a jerk, to tell them, look, look, there's stuff out there. Research it. Look it up. You can learn. And I'll give you free resources, because in the end, it just makes better games for us to play. And that's why I do it, because I want to see great games out there, because I've run out, so I want more. Is, uh, is that how you end up with something like the frequently argued question stock? Yeah, so there's the funny thing is, there is a number of us enthusiasts. There's a, we're a small, we're still a small niche community, but we all get together and just talk at each other for hours every day in our Slack. So we have a little Slack community of the escape room enthusiasts. And we all got, and then it was Dan Egner that put this together. He decided, you know, there are common questions always asked and argue about on the Facebook enthusiast group. And so why don't we just compile them? And so he opened up this Google Doc and we, and we all threw in our questions, all our answers, you know, different things that comes up all the time because the same questions and the same arguments <laughs> always come up in the Facebook enthusiast group because because, as I said, the industry is young and new owners keep popping up all the time. And then they ask the same questions. As you say, that's a young industry. And because you, you keep talking about like like people keep making new places, but there's like resources available. And I feel like it's, it's come together in such a short amount of time. Because remember looking for stuff on escape rooms when we first started doing them and there was almost nothing. Mm-hmm. So Very I'm true. coming back to it. I'm surprised to see so much, not surprised, I guess, but I'm like, pl- like, like I'm pleased to see so, so much has sprung up in uh, in a couple of years time. I think a lot of people have noticed that it was, you know, one of the new fads that came out, like when laser tag or paintball mm-hmm. came around and they wanted to jump in on it. And, and then because of that, you have a lot of people, Ooh, it's a new industry. Let's try to get in on and be a, like an influencer, right? That's a huge thing for a lot of people to be. <laughs> so they all start, all these blogs are popping up, all wanting to talk about how they are an influencer in the, in the industry. So, you know, 
I, I don't have any SEO or anything on the codex. I'm surprised you found it, actually. <laughs> it's not a blog. My, the thing is, I needed a place to put my rants. <laughs> and then I could point people there. Look, this is why you don't use lockout safes in an escape room. It drives me mad. Anyway, so I, I, I would have these articles and I would write them and I'd put them there so that, so that I wouldn't have to keep writing them over and over again. The reason, uh, I have one of my articles. I don't know if you read it. It's called the 13 rules of escape room design. And I wrote that because I kept writing each of them individually to different, to different escape rooms <laughs> about why they shouldn't do something. In the end, I thought, you know, I'm just going to write an article and maybe I'll make it a fun article with pictures and memes. And no, it became this like 4,000 word essay that wasn't fun for anybody except me. So, oh, well, I was, I was happy I wrote it. But uh, I'm sure people who read it learned something. And as we know, knowing is half the battle. Yeah. No, no. I've, I have had owners come up to me and have enjoyed that. Because a lot of things said in there is like nothing new. It was just all put together in one document for people. Now, the one thing I remember yearning for at the time, as we did, we probably did a year of just like doing every escape room in the immediate area, um, is... is a, a collection or way to have like a universal level of difficulty attached to rooms. Is there any sort of thing like that that even kind of exists? Unfortunately, no, there isn't. Now, to be fair, there probably could be, but then that would require knowledge of the rooms. Yeah. And then you can you would be able to assess it. Because as someone who really enjoys puzzle design and I would go into a room and I can now sense whether a, a puzzle might be too difficult for people or not. I can, well, for the mainstream, because, you know, as, because I like puzzle design, because I've, I've made them for the mainstream and I know what's difficult and what, what won't be too difficult. And so you can, you can actually tell how difficult the room is. But, but a lot of it is dependent on, on so many different factors. Like, is the room difficult because, there is an awful lot of observation required and you need a number of people to do these things. Is the room difficult because solving it is not hard, but maybe you will, maybe it's a logic puzzle that has 80 points and you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. you can, or like a Sudoku where you can decide, let's just give you three numbers in the Sudoku and then you want to punch somebody because like, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? You know, so that, that's difficult, but that's not fun, nor is it clever. You know, you could also do something difficult where like, I'm going to fill the wall all with words and you have to find how many thes are in it. And I'm thinking, oh. no, that's horrible. So. So there's also that process difficulty. How hard will it be to complete it? And those difficulties I don't really like. Sometimes I'll go in and it's like, yeah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'll get somebody. <laughs> there was an escape room once that had us translate a cipher. Now, I actually uh-huh. like, uh, <laughs> I actually like ciphers when you have to figure it out without the code and it's not in an escape room. Then, you know, if it's a puzzle hunt, then yeah, that's, that's fun. But it was, they gave us the code, and all we had to do was just translate it. And there was 20 minutes of this. And I thought, no, I, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. This is not fun for me. And, and we were all complaining because most of the room was just translating ciphers that, and we were given the keys, and it was just very, it was just very annoying. So yeah, so that's another type of difficulty. Those difficulties you can 
you you are able for the most part to gauge how much time it's going to take because for the most most part everybody can do it but then you also have difficulty when it comes to like you know the aha puzzles the solving puzzles like a riddle not that you should put riddles in your escape room but sometimes you need to be able to click in order to solve that lateral thinking riddle and realize oh this is the trick to it this is how you solve it and that can either take a person one second to figure out or it can take a person never they'll never be able to figure it out because they can't seem to grasp how to solve it right and those kind of puzzles are almost impossible to gauge how long a person's going to take so those tend to be the most difficult and then there's also other types of difficulty you know parallel and and uh and linear rooms some as you said some players don't know to split up to go into parallel when they have all the puzzles um all available to them so most enthusiasts know how to do that but you know it also depends on whom you're writing the difficulty for is it difficult for newbies or is it difficult for enthusiasts and considering escape rooms really shouldn't be catering to enthusiasts then you probably should put whether or not it's difficult for newbies and almost everything is difficult for newbies <laughs> sadly yeah you yeah it's surprising it's like a lot of it tends to be just pure observation they don't see actually i'm horrible for searching i'm horrible for observation so but it's plain and simple unless it's you know because video games are great at giving you feedback they're great at um, directing your attention to something it's like oh look something's blinking i should look there because we've been trained by video games where to follow you know escape um website design they have they there are design ui um affordances uh, yeah yeah there you go affordances right but and so they've been trained to guide you to that where a lot of puzzles sometimes it's all about misdirection. So you don't see, you don't see the obvious in the hidden and, or you don't see the hidden in the obvious. That's what I'm trying to say. So, so a lot of people aren't trained to look for things. And so once you've done a number of rooms and you kind of train yourself to look for, to look for that and also to also work backwards. A lot of escape rooms are just working backwards. Oh, this combo needs four digits. Okay, is there anything in groups of four around this room? Oh, look, those pictures are in groups of four. Ha <laughs> ha, I bet you that's to do with that. You know, that, that also helps. So it's it all depends. And then also searching. Oh, yeah, I hate searching, but that can also raise a difficulty because you can either be a jerk and hide it really well or you can you can just make it, you know, make it easy to find. And I still won't find it because <laughs> I'm horrible at searching, but that can also add to it as well. So. Yeah, so it is hard, but when creating a puzzle, you you can have a gauge on how difficult your room can or cannot be. See, you said that your your strength was that you were the weakness of all the teams, but it sounds like you have puzzle sense. Oh yeah, I I mean I I know how to design them. Doesn't mean I I can solve everything. Sometimes <laughs> I'm I'm I think I'm just like a slow thinker too. And then I'm also really la- I'm a slow thinker and I'm a lazy slow thinker. I was in a room once and I realized oh this is something that requires you to figure out a pattern. And I'm thinking okay there are two other people who are much better at patterns than I am. Anybody want to do this? And then sadly. <laughs> They they were busy. They were all working on their own puzzles. It's like, oh, crap. Now I have to do the pattern thing. Same thing with um, shape algebra. This is a common one, too. You know, sometimes they'll give you 
uh, triangle equals zero and triangle plus circles equal to 22. So what is square? And I didn't tell you what square was, but you know what I mean. Sometimes they'll, they have some type of thing that makes you do more math in a room because I love math in a room. I don't. Anyway, I, I couldn't seem to find anybody who's like, we have a math person. Where's our math person? And she was working on another puzzle and I was just, so I had to work on it. It was horrible. <laughs> I, I, I sound like, you know, now to be fair, I actually do have fun in a room. So <laughs> it's, I've been, I keep doing that and it sounds like I just hate everything and I don't. When I, when I see rooms do puzzles in a clever way, then I get really excited. And I also actually have a lot of fun in a room with my teammates. So we don't go because we try to solve it as quick as we can. We go. <laughs> Because we want to have fun in the room together, you know, and solving things at the same time. It's it's fun to do and it's fun to play. It's, I, I, especially if there's an actor in the room then I have all sorts of fun. It's, <laughs> it's great because I, I don't try to like, you know, I don't try to mess up the actor. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, going to kick him or I'm not going to like break all his stuff. But I I try to interact with them in different ways to see if I if I, you know, catch them off guard or I make them crack, then it's that's kind of funny for me. Now, the, like the guru of of, of escape rooms, the guy who does who does who teaches escape rooms at Brantford out of the Laurier campus. I think I got all that right. Watch me not remember everybody's university. Anyway, he he's huge into. Uh, he wrote a paper. He's written many papers. But one of them in regards to escape rooms is called "Ask Why," and it deals with narrative. And basically, he wants to know there has to be a reason for different uh, narrative elements in the room. So, for example, a good ask why would be, why is there a laser organ in an Egyptian pyramid? Does that make sense to anybody? No, unless unless it's created by aliens, then uh, that might make more sense. But for the most part, it, it isn't created by aliens. And so, you know, you normally want to have a, like, you know, when we, when, when you do an escape room, after a while, you start to look for a better narrative and, and things that make sense as opposed to a whole slew of puzzles thrown into a room and then they're just pretending to put a theme on it. And so when I have him come to my escape rooms, I know that we have to have reasons for everything. It's like, <laughs> it's, 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 and then he'll come and drill you too. So like I was, one of my escape rooms was in a, was in a train and it was about uh it was about this archaeologist that we made up in a fictional civil old civilization and then he comes up to me and he starts asking me questions the only problem is i read the backstory to a little bit this is my fault and then and then and then manda who was the story writer uh, um had more backstory and so she put it into one of the puzzles was a letter and she wrote all this backstory and i stupidly didn't read the backstory and then he started asking me questions on it and then i just started making stuff up and then and then manda told me later what did you tell him it's like he kept asking me questions so i just made things up and it's like <laughs> you made up all the wrong things it's like oh i'm sorry but so she had to tell them yeah he doesn't know anything <laughs> <laughs> which is true it was anyway i don't know what got me on that tangent that it's important to have reasons and then ask why about your narrative and your puzzle choice the, the only thing was like when you were talking about you know you know new people aren't going to know a lot of the tropes of uh, of escape rooms yet and everything's kind of new do you remember the first time you saw like a hidden door to a second room oh yeah oh my god oh yeah <laughs> yes oh, oh 
everything was amazing for me when I first did a room. You know, being in the dark with a flashlight was cool. Even though yes. my flashlight didn't work very well, it was still cool. Searching around in the dark in the flashlight. Now it drives me mad because I can't see anything. Cause and if the flashlights don't work and then or when I first saw a black light, I thought that was amazing. So at the very beginning, all the same things that make new players excited also excited me. And it was so much fun. And so, and it's sad because I know that I'm an enthusiast. And that's why I don't, that's why I don't, I really don't try to tell owners not to put certain things in a room. So it's like, you know, search people are still good at searching and they like searching. So I'm, I can't tell an owner, don't put searching in the room because I don't like searching. Or don't put black lights in a room because I don't like black lights. Again, it's not me who is their audience. It's the mainstream people, and so they should make stuff that they enjoy. So for the most part, I just try to point out when things are unfair. Because if they're unfair for me, then it becomes just a guessing game for newbies. And and then, and then that's just not fun for anybody, because then they get really frustrated. And there's a lot of ways, because, you know, it's like making a game. There's a lot of ways that you don't realize that suddenly make make life unfair for for the players for example let's say you have a lockout safe a safe that locks out after three tries and then you're locked out for five minutes five minutes is a lot of time in an escape room and to lose five minutes it, it just hurts you right and so the problem with the lockout safe is one you don't know how many digits you need for a safe it's not like it can take from you know one, two, three digits to, I don't know, 12, 14, 20 digits. Who knows how many digits go into a lockout safe, right? And all of a sudden, if you give a person, oh, here, the combination for this lockout safe is a date, and they give you like, uh, oh, I don't know, they give you January 3rd, 2006, what do you put in? Well, you everyone, know many- everyone knows that dates should be in ISO format, so... <laughs> Yeah, and then, of I, course, that's why I have no fun on escape rooms. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, it depends. If Is it a American? Is it Canadian way of doing it? Do you have to put in all of the year or is it just the last two digits? Do you include leading zeros or not? I, I don't know. Cause, and then if it locks you out after three tries, then so you might have solved the puzzle, but now you actually have to figure out the arbitrariness of of their bad design and so when i find things that are unfair for the players that's when i start going squirrely on the owners but for the most part as long as everything's fair then that's fine i i'm quite happy with the room it doesn't have to meet my tastes at all and it shouldn't meet my tastes because i'm i'm a horrible person to please (laughs) i was gonna say i noticed very quickly going to different places that that it evolved from you get three hints to you get three hints if you want to be on the leaderboard, but you can ask for as many hints as you want because it's literally about making sure the player has a good time, right? And if they don't know what they're doing and they've used three hints, then they're not they're not having a good time. They're definitely not going to come back. Very true. And throughout the industry itself, and people have noticed this, the trend is to make an escape room easier because they want the escape room to be more accessible to everybody. I keep talking about the mainstream audience, but that's where they're going for because realize that all of us enthusiasts will come and play it anyway, and then we're done. We can't come back to do the same room. Mm -hmm. And some of us might, but for the most part, you can't count on us. It's a really interesting industry because it's only the, it's one of the few times it's, I, I mean, there might be other ones like this, but it's 
one of those industries where you can't get repeat business if you only have one room, right? You can only come in and do it once. If I have a bad time at a restaurant, maybe it was just that one time, I'm going to try it again. But if I have a bad time in your one room, I'm not going to come back to do it again because I can't. I already know how to solve everything. Unless it's one of those repeatable score-based room. But if it's a horrible time, I'm not going to go back anyway. So, so people are realizing that. And so they know that they have to make their escape rooms easier. In fact, they're also putting more, and I mentioned this a little bit before, but more process-type puzzles. So less solving of the puzzles and more completing and doing the puzzles, like the Sudoku. So in other words, okay, this is a puzzle. Everybody, well, not everybody knows how to Sudoku, but um, I could think of like, ah, what's an easy, you know, like maybe you have to, this is not helping, but but places where you you know how to solve it do you guys know what a tower is of hanoi is yes i don't know if you know oh, okay that's probably not a good example either if nobody knows what that <laughs> is but it, yeah um or, or maybe like where you have like three beakers and you need to get a certain amount of water in the one is that yeah what yeah like that that's something that comes up a bunch bunch too right and they can make it difficult by adding more beakers and and weirder weirder volume levels so they they will give you a puzzle like that, knowing that it's going to take you a long time. But you don't actually have to solve anything because you know how it's supposed to be solved. You just now have to complete it. And, and that's fine. And sometimes they give you tasks and tasks can be fun, too. So there's nothing wrong with tasks. But, you know, something like trying to fish a key from the wall to break out of the prison, different things like that. Since, given that you've played a, a lot of different rooms uh we, actually, there's one question that, that Z wanted to ask. He wasn't able to make it. And uh, he was going to ask you, uh, <laughs> which is more important to you, the satisfaction of cracking uh, a brain-teasing puzzle or the immersion that the consistent theming and clear narrative can bring? Oh, good question. Very good question. So, important to me or what the I think owner, this one was it... directed at, at you, given your large amount of experience with escape rooms. So as I said before, it, it is hard to present to me an easy puzzle that everybody can solve, and that's also cleverly done. So usually I will be able to find those types of puzzles in puzzle hunts that are meant for people who have no lives, like me, and <laughs> and it's puzzle hunts are insane. We won't even talk about those, right? But there's, <laughs> there they have crazy difficult puzzles that can take you like from an hour to a day to solve. So it takes you a long time. and Or or a cryptic crossword. Sometimes I find some really clever cryptic crosswords that make me happy. But I don't usually find that in an escape room because you don't, you can't go too deep in a puzzle. You know, puzzles can have multiple layers. You know, you might solve one top of a puzzle and then you disco- discover something new underneath it. And it's like, oh, wait, that leads yet to another puzzle. And so you start digging for, you know, I don't know if that's, it's making sense, but sometimes you can have layers of puzzles built on top of each other. And as you solve one and reveal something you didn't see in the exact same, in the exact same puzzles that you have to solve. And those can get super clever and are, and are really fun, but you, you don't want to go below more than one layer in a puzzle because then, because you don't have enough time and, and nobody would know to look for that. So. So I personally will look for the whole experience because when it comes to puzzles, the escape room industry, that's what they are right now. I mean, that's what they started off with being, you know, lightly tacked on theme, 
throw in a whole whack of puzzles and hopefully you'll be able to figure it out. But now, but now what people are doing is they're making the puzzles easier and they're bringing up the set design. And that's really cool too. But you know, you now hopefully they're going even further. Now that you've brought up the set design, you've made the puzzles kind of easier for everybody to enjoy. But now you're giving people different experiential moments that make people go, wow, that was really cool. Just like any type of entertainment uh, medium that you may see, whether it be music, whether it be books, whether it be shows and theater, there is a interest curve, right? You start off with the hook, then things go lower in interest, but then you might find something interesting, and then eventually you reach the climax, which is the biggest part of the part of the of the show or the song, and then it and then it goes into the what is it called? The denouement? I don't know how to pronounce that. You know, this is like basic things we all learn in high school English. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are now realizing that you can put that into an escape room, right? Because it's it's an experience that they are engaging in. And so you don't want it to be, you know, you don't want the biggest surprise to be at the beginning because then everything's downhill from there. So they're throwing in different exper- experiential moments within, and you don't normally see that in an escape room now. So when I see an escape room tie it all together and bring you into an adventure-like movie, then then it's pretty cool. Do you think that's why a lot of escape rooms have been... I, I shouldn't say a lot. I actually have no basis to back this up. But do you think that's why <laughs> some escape rooms have been taking advantage of like virtual reality and augmented reality or are those like something completely different? Well, I think escape rooms are still a business and they realize they need to bring in money somehow. And, and VR virtual reality is, is something cool and new. And so how else can we grab more people in? So I've never actually seen VR done well inside of an escape room at the same time now vr can be done well if it's all on its own and an escape room that's completely different when you try to throw vr into a room then then you actually you know you have to put on the mask and it doesn't it's all i've ever seen is people look oh look if i look around i can find a hidden number and it's like oh vr for hidden object games that's brilliant <laughs> anyway so yeah I mean, I'm pretty sure that somebody has going has done it well. I just haven't seen it done well, and it seems like. But it also makes life a bit easier because then you know if there's already software out there that that you can implement also to do in the room, then that's fun. But VR outside of an escape room as just an extra that's that's fun for a lot of people, right? VR is, is amazing, and and so I I don't I you know if people want to augment their their uh, escape room by putting that in and that's cool what i'd like to see when it gets to augmented reality it'd be really neat because you see this in adventure games all the time right or you know there's a trope within video games like horror ones you can only see a ghost through your camera or through your phone right you see that in fatal frame or whatever so having something like that in an escape room or maybe you need to solve a puzzle and your phone is a magical device that allows you to see footprints or analyze blood or see blood splatters or different things like that. Or if it's going to be a horror film, you can use it to see ghosts or to see um, scary things. You know, it'd be kind of neat when it gets to that part. And nobody's really gone with that idea yet. Usually, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, but I can imagine there'd be an awful lot of investment. But and that's just it. A lot of new people coming into the escape room world are are still having troubles trying to put in the 
the capital needed, trying to get the capital needed to make an escape room that set design wise is on par with Disney or any of the haunts in the US, right? So a lot of set, a lot of people now are, are investing a lot of money into making a very beautiful set. And when you see that, it's like, oh, that's really cool. And that, that is starting to wow people currently. So, you know, but, but they're still not up to the same, uh, up to the same immersion level that Disney is able to do. So if you've ever been to any of Disney's rides or attractions, they've, they've conquered immersion long time ago. And they have, you know, they have all sorts of things, whether it comes to like smells, not that you want to, you know, emulate all the smells properly, but I don't know if you've ever, if you, have you ever been to Epcot Center? Mm-mm. I don't know if you have. Long no, time since ago. I was very little. Okay, cool. So there's this one, one part in Epcot, Epcot Center where you're going around and it starts you back in the dinosaur age. And this is way before Jurassic Park. And you go into this age and you see these animatronic dinosaurs and pterodactyls and they're all having grand old time. But it also smelled like a really putrid jungle. So. So that was actually kind of cool. Not that I enjoyed that smell, but it was like, oh, neat. You're bringing me into this, into this, uh, I don't know, Jurassic age. I don't know all the ages. So if anybody out there are huge into dinosaurs, you can correct me. It's all good. But anyway, and it was neat to go into that and be immersed in that with the smell and the, and the look and even the humidity. It got really humid in there, right? They, they, uh, they do a great job of immersing you into the environment. And once, once escape rooms get there, so, you know, so escape rooms haven't even gotten to that stage and they've had it for like over 30 years, right? So, so that's what they're trying to do now. I think a lot of them are trying to get up to the immersive level that people can expect from a theme park. But, you know, they, they still have a ways to go because there's still like, you know, the narrative and, and then the involvement of, uh, of, of making a person care about the story. Because right now, nobody cares about a story in the escape room. I certainly don't care about the story in the escape room. I just want to solve puzzles. But that's because, you know, they're, they're the same stories that are not written well. So why should I care? <laughs> it's like, oh, I serial killer that's gone crazy and likes to say bunny over and over again. Okay, whatever. I'm just here to solve your puzzles. But once, you know, the, you can get people to care about the story and care about the narrative if you write it well and weave it into the game. But again, you're going up against that whole 60-minute timeline, which also makes you not care about the story. So there's there's a lot of obstacles still, but whatever. When we tried to do our latest event, my our, we, so we had an escape room, an escape event with about 100 people all on a moving train. And so I actually removed time limits. I decided to myself, look, I want everybody to experience the story in this game. So we are going to make, and so it became a three hour event. And there was, yeah. So they came in, they came into the train station. They had to do some stuff. They got an hour in the train station. Then they got an hour while they were eating because there was a dinner on the train and they could solve puzzles. And then finally there was act three where they had to go to a museum car in the center of the train and that too. And then we had to get people all the way through that. So, so it was a three hour event. Now you didn't probably play for three hours. You probably only played for about an hour and a half, but we thought once you're done, you could just sit and enjoy the train and drink because there's a bar on the train as well. So, 
I need so to be there next time. That sounds like <laughs> well, the most incredible experience I can possibly it, fathom. We tried to make it fun, but we're not going to do it next time because you can imagine how hard that was to pull off. It oh, was, I'm sure it was a nightmare. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, my goodness. You, we have a whole podcast on on how much of a nightmare that was. Now, a nightmare <laughs> in, in a good way. So a lot of people had fun. We loved doing it. But it was, you know, it, we didn't do it for money. This is still, it's like community theater and, and it like <laughs> totally drained us for like all summer. But it was a lot of fun, you know. Well, you know what? Right now, I still, I think you can make an escape room for enthusiasts as long as you're able to bring in, as you, uh, getting to, it was T, right? Nick T. Yes. Sorry. I'm still, rem- I, there's only two of you. I'm trying to remember which one is G and which one's T. Just, just say, uh, you know, Nick was talking about it. <laughs> about the immersive experiences, because that will still wow enthusiasts because they don't normally see it. But at the same time, it takes an awful lot of investment and effort. And if you're, you know, and I usually find only those that are enthusiastic about delivering an amazing experience will put that much effort into it because you know running a business is hard i get it it's not that easy to do and after a while you just want it to make money so (laughs) i can imagine look this room still pleases these people so go ahead and do that but i have found owners that have gone to other escape rooms and have have had their minds blown because some of the escape rooms are wild and crazy and they want to emulate that in their own room and then of course when they do that they become like they their rooms become amazing because there's nothing around them that's like them but it does take a lot of financial uh, capital and it takes a lot of effort to put all of that in to make it to make it a good room and so so those rooms it doesn't have to for me i i like clever puzzles but not every enthusiast likes clever puzzles so they're just quite happy to see that immersion there but I usually find that having people of different experience levels makes it hard for everybody in the room. The higher experience people don't want to take over. The lower experience people are overwhelmed because we're doing everything. Like, search over here. Look over there. Why are they barking orders at us? We're trying to bark orders in a friendly manner. You know, we're still Canadian. But still, it, it makes it hard. So now, if I don't mind doing random. So I have gone to different cities met up with enthusiasts and we're all of the same relative skill level i think once you get past like the hundred one then you're all pretty much the same skill level and we do fine because you know you learn things like you don't grab puzzles out of people's hands and, and you you know it's like oh you're also another thing is if the answer doesn't work a first time, try it again. Somebody else try it again. Uh, that's because <laughs> sometimes locks get stuck. And sometimes some people feel like, no, I'm going to solve this puzzle if it kills me. And it's like, no, no, you don't do that. If you can't get it within the first three minutes, give it to somebody else. And if you give somebody an answer to a puzzle and you're trying to put it in the lock and it doesn't seem to work, give it to somebody else, right? A lot of it is... Being in a team and realizing, look, if you didn't get it, uh, that's no, that's, that doesn't mean it's your fault. You know, sometimes you need a different set of eyes. One of the great reasons I loved escape rooms is because I do it with my family. So that's my, one of my other teams is that I play it with, I have, 
I have two kids, two daughters. Now they are, oh, knows. <laughs> 17 and 15. I always have to think, man. Anyway, so they're 17 and 15, but we've been doing them for a few years now. And it is one of the very few activities that I feel all of us have a meaningful contribution to solving the escape room. Right? Because, you know, if we all decide to, oh, I don't know, play volleyball together, some of us are going to suck bad. So, and that's just how it is. One of us might be good. The other three are just going to fail or whatever. Or if it's gymnastics, you know, I would be horrible if there was competitive gymnastics team. But, and that's usually how it is with families, right? You have young people, you have old people, and you have people that are fit. And then you have people like me who just wants to sit and eat burgers. So <laughs> it's, but I find with escape rooms, because you, because it requires people who think differently to solve puzzles and to look at things at different angles, it's great as a family. You know, sometimes it can be just as simple as Zoe's at a lower level in regards to height. So she'll be able to see things at her level, if that makes sense. She was able to, I was trying to solve a puzzle I couldn't figure out. And then she just like tilted her head. Oh, wait, there's something underneath here. It's like, oh, there is. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, minor things like that. And, and my wife was better at words than I am. And children are great at escape rooms because they don't have as much experience as we do. And that might sound like counterintuitive, but I, but escape rooms aren't made to be super difficult. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So what we will do as adults, we will take all the variables and parameters we can think of and try to find the commonality to, to find a solution. And then we overthink it and we don't find any solution. Whereas a, a kid would only have like, you know, one or two points of reference and easily find it. So, for example, we were in a room and there's a puzzle that involved uh, a queen. I think it was a queen. It might even have been a jack, whatever. And so all of these variables came up that we were all trying to figure out. And Echo at the time only knew about the jack and the queen from cards. And so that was and that was the puzzle. And so she was able to solve it quickly while the rest of us were desperately trying to um, put together all these convoluted points and coming up with there was more to it than that like I, i'm explaining it to you and you guys are thinking well maybe you adults are just dumb and it's like, <laughs> no no or maybe we are anyway so it was really one of the few one of the few activities that all four of us could engage in and be actively participating and that's why i really enjoyed puzzle hunts and the, and the more varied your team is the better, right? If you go in and everybody is, I don't know, an engineer, then all you engineers think the exact same way. And so you're all going to get stuck on the puzzle because you all think the same way. I found when I first did the escape room, it was just a bunch of guys and us. And we were all very similar in how we solved and how we thought. And we, we lost the first 12 games. <laughs> it was like Whoa. we couldn't solve one of them at all. And then another escape room I did, I it was actually a, a mixed team of male and female and all of us from a variety of disciplines, and we solved it. And it was, as I said before, I think we solved it is because we came from a variety of different ways of thinking and from different backgrounds, and we were able to solve the room. And so... And so people that are, that have that, that are different in that way have a better chance of solving a room. One of the things that I was curious about before we started recording, and you kind of alluded to this 
mentioning uh, that that one person S2 or that one group S2. Um, are there any conventions for fans of escape rooms? You mentioned Eric, uh, the UK escape room industry convention. Uh, but are there, are there any others for enthusiasts? That's a good question. There aren't really that many conventions for enthusiasts. Most of the conventions, sorry, most of the conventions are for owners. So there are, there is a convention and they are called Trans World Escape Room Convention. And I think they're, their next convention's in St. Louis. And they're mostly for owners. They actually are an offshoot of the horror, uh, what is it called? Oh, the haunt industry. Haunt industry is huge. I found out this out after getting into the escape room world. I didn't know that there was this huge haunt industry that makes tons of money and they have their own community. But whatever, they, it was an offshoot of that. And again, they will have like a convention floor. Sorry, a, um, you know, the floor where everybody sells things. What is that called? The vendor's hall? Or vendor, yeah, hall yeah, there you or... go. <laughs> yeah, so they have a vendor uh, vendor hall, and then they have all these industries that have popped up to make props just for escape rooms, of course. And the one in... There is Eric, that's also in the UK, but there's also Up the Game, that's in Netherlands, and that also is more towards game design as well, but mostly for owners. So enthusiasts have gone and will find it interesting because then you'll meet up with people in the industry you also may meet up with people that are enthusiasts and then you can also play a lot of games in the area but they're they aren't really for enthusiasts sadly uh, same thing we do have a few unconferences is so there is one that scott nicholson put up and he's held it in niagara and he's held it did he I can't remember. I think the next unconference for Ontario, if you're interested, is going to happen in Peterborough, and that might be hosted by Escape Maze. So, but again, that it is for owners. So sadly, there is. A, oh wait, but there are meetups. I know that Room Escape Artist is trying to do more meetup-like things, and maybe kind of like some. He does these immersive tours. And that can kind of be like a convention, right? So basically he has these huge tours where you can go and he will book 12 rooms for you and get the people. And I think his next immersive tour is in New Orleans in July. So it, actually that's, that's like one of the top rooms is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's called 13th Gate. And we're all lusting to go there because apparently <laughs> it's like being in the Goonies, apparently. It's that amazing. Whoa. There's like a waterfall and a beach in it. It's like what? out there. It is. Everybody raves about this room, and I'm so desperate to go. I know the divas are trying to go this year, but I don't think I can pull that off because it's in it's in Louisiana of all places. <laughs> so can't just just fly and go anyway. I'd like to though. So the answer is no. Sorry, I, that was a really long no, but yeah. No, that, I, I kind of figured that it might be something like that. But um, I was also wondering, what would you say to someone who is interested in escape rooms, but for whatever reason hasn't taken the plunge yet? Oh, so they're interested in doing an escape rooms. So there's a bunch of reasons why they wouldn't be. 
taking the plunge. A lot of it is because it might be too expensive. That's understandable. A lot of it might be because they're worried that they're going to really be locked in a room. And at this point, you're not going to be locked in the room. In the past, you might have been locked in the room. In the past, I was blindfolded, handcuffed, locked in a room multiple times with no way of getting out. It was it was very unsafe. But now there are things like fire codes and well i mean it was back then but nobody knew what an escape room was so everybody everybody broke everything every rule on the planet but now now you can't so it's a lot safer now you won't really be locked in a room and not every escape room is horror so sometimes especially with the new every escape room movie that has come out and there's been like three three or four of them although the biggest one is that latest one that just came out and they all think that it's all horror related and there are a lot of rooms i mean there are a lot of rooms that are horror related but there are a lot of rooms that aren't so if they don't like horror they can there's many rooms they can do another thing they might be scared of is that it's too hard for them and if that's the case you know we can easily tell you which rooms to go to that aren't too hard and you'll find, and just to really have fun, because that's really what you want to look for. A lot of people are going, what are the tips I need so that I can solve this room? And it's like, ah, you don't really need tips to solve the room as long as you're enjoying yourself. And that's what I do in escape room now. I just want, we just go and we just have fun in the room. So yeah, just to go and experience it and not be hung up and actually solving it. I hate horror. I hate Oh, there is this one room. Oh, it was great. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't spoil it. It's a bit of a spoiler. Oh, we'll spoil it outside of the podcast. Okay. All right, all right. I, I just, I just want to put that in. Like, I love escape rooms, but as soon as I find one that's like explicitly horror themed, I don't even want to do that one. You know, the so, funny thing is, my my brain is like DOS, so I I can only seem to focus on one emotion at a time. <laughs> so you put me in a haunted house, I'm scared of everything. It's like ah. It's scary. He has red eyes. But you put me in an escape room that's horror-related, I don't get scared because my brain is only focused on how to solve this puzzle. And it's and it's weird because normally I, I can't even go downstairs without thinking about, you know, uh, what like any, any horror game or show I've watched. So it's brutal. For people who have listened to this podcast and want uh, more Errol or more information... <laughs> On escape rooms, or even or even data on escape rooms. It's like, wait, who out there wants more Errol? It's not Just presuppose in this hypothetical scenario that there are people that do. Where on the internet can they find you? If you want more information about escape rooms, I do have something called The Codex, thecodex.ca. And I usually try to link to a number of articles out there on escape rooms. It's just not all mine. So you'll find in there the Top Escape Rooms Project, the frequently argued questions about escape rooms. You'll find that survey that we talked about and a bunch of other stuff. We also have a link to a very secret Slack about enthusiasts where we just talk about escape Mm. rooms all day. And then we also have our podcast. You'll also find my Room Escape Divas podcast on there where we just talk nonstop about escape rooms. It's been going on for years. Um, and if you've decided that you need even more Nick, um, you can head on over to Fanthropological.com where you can find all of our episodes, each one covering a, dis- a different topic or just about. Um, or in the uh, podcatcher of your choice, if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the show, you can hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at the Nickscast or email us nick at the Nickscast.com. 
And that being said, the only thing that remains is to say thank you, Errol, so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me and putting up with me. This has been great. I had a great time. I had a great time. <laughs> Hope you guys had an okay time. I had a great time. Uh, Yay! I, I, I had a fantastic time. I'm just left with a pervading <laughs> sense of all the great escape rooms that I haven't done yet. <laughs> which, which sort of cuts yeah, two that's... ways. I mean, I've, I I can still do them all, but uh, I have no immediate mm-hmm. access to them. So, um, a lot of conflicting emotions. But ultimately, on the positive side. Uh, so thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Well, they, I don't know how they do it, but they just go around and just play escape rooms and tour the country. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, <sighs> what a dream. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about it. <laughs> Actually, how 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 are you all doing? Sorry, is this edited in any way? I oh, guess yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I probably this should put. Po- <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I probably should put it in pauses so that you know when I ask things like is this edited, <laughs> you can easily edit that out, or you can keep it in. You know, who who out there is who cares? They they might care a little. Anyway, I just wanted to know. Pause. I think I noticed that Nick went uh, all all choppy on me so just to let you know so if i don't answer right away or didn't understand when you started it you became choppy nick the other nick sorry which nick which was nick oh, i know yeah. you're nick t sorry the i'm nick the g blue, nick g g yeah that's it okay okay so gotcha. nick g became choppy but nick t is like smooth as silk oh uh-huh. all right we'll work through that let me know let me know if you didn't hear something that i said and i'll i'll repeat it and hopefully that works but yeah sounds great but if, if the podcast goes perfectly, then I don't need to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep all of that in. Just something yeah. to keep in mind. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all great. On, on the topic of like people who are really enthousi- enthusiastic about it, making escape rooms, I'd say every like good room experience we've had, we've spent at least half an hour talking to the owners afterwards about the room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those poor owners. And then they have to be nice to me because they know I run a Room Escape podcast. <laughs> and so I, I, I actually, I know, right? And, and so I try my best to not tell anybody I'm coming because, because not, so not every owner knows who I am. So it's not like I'm trying to like toot my own horn here. It's mostly because there's only one Escape Room podcast that talks about the industry. That's us. And so it's like, oh, if you look for escape room podcasts, you'll find a number of escape rooms that talk, um, that play like tabletop RPG escape room games. There's like three of those now, ah. and they're they're cool. So you can listen in. They're playing a RPG like escape room game, and you listen and have fun and whatever. But there's not that many escape rooms out. Sorry, there's not many podcasts out there that actually talk about the industry and bring in guests and interviews them. We're, we're like the only one. So a lot of people know who we are. And then they all worry when we come because they know that we'll come in and be all judgy as you heard me at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. I'm just rant, 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 rant. Ah, but it's only because, as I said before, I actually want to see the games get better. And I only rant about unfairness. So I won't smash room if they have if everything is black light if you make everything black light then you make everything black light i'm not going to complain about that that's 
that's not something that's uh that is worth that you should change just because I personally didn't like it. But if you know, if you put a popcorn machine in there, that's great. Then I love popcorn. <laughs> it's yeah. And actually one one room here in Toronto is great. She for Christmas, she left slippers for me underneath the tree because <laughs> <laughs> she know she knew I like taking off my shoes when I'm in an escape room. So she left me slippers. It was it was wonderful. And then and at the end of the uh, at the end of the night, I said um, the game master said to me, "You should take those slippers home." And I said, "And I, I could uh, I know I kind of understood that I had my feet in them the whole time, but it's like, oh no, those aren't my slippers." And he says, "Oh yes, yes they are." <laughs> like, no, no, I found them under the tree. Yeah, they were left there for you. It's like, oh good, it's good. I didn't worry about soiling them, but I did. But it was good, not soiling, just with my feet, not in like a gross <laughs> manner. By the way, this kind of reminds me. It's really funny. This is apropos of nothing. But how I found out about your podcast. Oh. Because uh, it was interesting, don't you? Nick is looking at me like he has no idea what we're talking about now. No, like he'll remember. Here I am. I don't even know why, but I was, you know what one does, searching your name on the internet. I was searching for escape room podcasts because I periodically do that from time to time because I... I like to keep track of all the blogs that are out there about escape rooms. I like to keep track of everybody in the community and in the industry. You know, oh, hey, there's a new blogger. My name is Errol. Oh, you don't want to talk to me? Okay. Anyway, I've kind of found that about some escape room podcasts. They just don't want to talk to me. You would think Weird. that, oh, look, somebody's trying to engage me on social media. This might be good to engage them so that maybe he'll talk about it and tweet me. No, they just completely ignore me. And it's not that I'm, because I'm like super important, but you know, if anybody tries to engage you about your creative thing that you've created for social media, why don't you engage them? I, I don't know. <laughs> it was it's weird. Anyway, marketing 101 for those guys. But wow, I'm losing track of what I was talking about. Oh, right, right, right. I was, <laughs> I was searching for podcasts and blogs and that's when I found your your podcast and it's like oh look they have an escape room podcast i'm gonna go ahead and listen and i started because i think you referenced something one of my urls in there so that also helped and so i found it it's like oh look you reference then i started listening and i looked through all your your you have all sorts of references and notes that's kudos to you guys <laughs> i don't even put liner notes and hours it's just like <laughs> hey listen to the podcast here's the picture and that's about it it's like wow you guys go all out putting in references like you know iso things it's it's amazing so oh what was i talking about all oh, right 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 so here i am i found you guys this is really cool i saw that i listened to it and i'm not I'm, i don't normally listen to podcasts now it's not because podcasts suck it's just that i'm a horrible listener if you couldn't tell from this interview <laughs> but i'm i don't actually absorb things orally very well that's why i was horrible in school but if i can engage and that's why i, I like escape rooms because there's more of a um teamwork and engaging with the room but but i wanted to listen because it's like oh look these liner notes sound interesting and then the more i listen the more i'm realizing oh crumbs you're quoting me an awful lot in this thing <laughs> And so I thought to myself, where is your Twitter? Where is your Facebook? Because I wanted to reach out to you guys. And I wanted to say, oh, hey, how are you doing? I heard you're talking about like all sorts of things about the escape room industry. And I was going to offer, if you ever wanted a guest, I'd be quite <laughs> happy to ask. 
but I was also at work, so I was having a. I was doing work, multitasking very badly at work, and I was thinking, okay, I got to find their Facebook. Oh, crumbs. I can't seem to find it on the page. What page am I on? Where's the tab again? I can't find the tab. Oh, here's the tab. Okay, what about Twitter? Should I call, talk, talk to them on Twitter or on Facebook? Which one do you think they use more? And while I'm going through all of this, Nick pops up in our <laughs> Slack and says, hey, Earl, I run this podcast. And uh, I was just wondering if you wanted to be a guest on it. And then I said to him, oh, hey, Nick, like we're old friends. <laughs> like oh, I was like- just <laughs> listening to you. And so it was all completely it was. Yeah, it was weird because it was it was so coincidental. But it was. Yeah, it was just shocking to me because I was looking for you. And then just Nick starts talking to me. So I've, unless you were stalking me and were like, you know, finding, watching everything I do. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> Man. I do want to add, if you want to build up a great following for your podcast, talk about a completely different topic every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 